and welcome to Mash Mouth, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I am Ethan. Ethan, okay, so you know how we usually do opening topics? I don't have one for us this week. <laughs> no, so, not at all. <laughs> so why don't we just kind of get right into the episode? Yeah, that, that sounds good. This might be a really short episode, but you know... Sometimes that happens, guys. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh, well, you're just not going to have to hear us ramble on about MASH for uh, 50 minutes. <laughs> so in today's episode, The Incubator, after a fierce hangover, Hawkeye and Chopper decide that they're going to clean up their act and do everything in their power to get a germ incubator for the camp. But of course, they're struggling against bureaucracy and corruption, which is pretty typical for MASH at this point. So Ethan, what did you think about this episode? I really like this episode. I think I liked it a lot more than you did. Something about this one had that MASH vibe that I loved, where the commentary I thought was really on point, the dialogue, the jokes were really good, just everything kind of blended together. I like this little quest that they went on. It was like a very uh, video game fetch quest kind of thing, and I, I just enjoyed that, that tonally... I think that they had like a really good goal. I really like this one. This episode reminded me of the second episode of the first season. That it had that vibe. I I mean, I know it's like structurally the same, like very similar, I would say, with like a little bit of difference. But that's what I was kind of reminded of with this episode, which is why I think I liked it so much. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up way later with uh, one of the guys that they encountered. It reminded me of the guy in the second episode, Charlie. But, Mm -hmm. you know, this time he's not weirdly problematic about uh, (laughs) Asian representation. So, you know, a little bit of a different vibe. Yeah, it was kind of... um, In this episode, there is a lot of commentary about, like, military bureaucracy and, I guess, like, hypocrisy and stuff like that. And this episode and that episode from season one... They had the same things, just, like, executed in a little bit of a different way. Um, This, I think, was a little bit more critical of the military. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely, right? So let's get into the actual meat of the episode. I loved how it started, first of all. I thought it was so funny, and I also liked how it was not explained. Do you want to explain what we see visually? (laughs) First of all, the opening image of this episode is great. It's a like rubber glove but blown up to be like a face just like like with marker <laughs> painted painted on it. And I love usually during MASH opening credits, you know, it's very simple. They have just have like writer director credit, but they always open on like these weird images and slowly it's revealed of what everything is around it. And I really like how they do that. I like the the way that they direct the opening little moments for the title sequence, uh, you know, after the theme song. Uh, but I, I love how they wake up and they're just like hungover like they've never been hungover before. Everything's destroyed around them and they're like dying. Like <laughs> uh, Trapper or Hawkeye like whispers to Trapper and he's like, hey, I'm not going to respond to you until you stop yelling. And it's so. <laughs> I love this opening so much, and I love that it's not really connected to anything else in the episode. It's not. That was one of my first notes about the episode. Like, this bender that they had, I thought it was going to connect back to the episode, and it just didn't. <laughs> and I, 
thought that that was so, so funny. Because, you know, they, they're talking to Frank in the swamp and whatnot, and Frank is just like, I'm going to ignore you guys, which I thought was also really funny. He was kind of basically not dignifying them by yelling at them that they did something wrong of, like, going on a bender like this, or throwing this party, I guess it is. And then in the next scene with Henry, the party's referenced, and then that's it. Like, that's the last you hear of it in the entire episode. <laughs> This is one of my favorite Frank appearances, I think, in the entire show. Granted, he's only in this opening scene, so it's like, you get that pure, distilled, like, good <laughs> Frank, and then it's not, like, ruined by other Frank. Yeah. Where he's just, like, carrying himself with, like, actual dignity of, like, I'm not gonna be your mom. Like, you know what you <laughs> did was wrong. And they're like, but come on, Frank, yell at us. It's so funny. <laughs> what I thought was great about this, too, was that they almost wanted Frank to yell at them. Like, they oh, knew yeah, they that did. they went too hard and they wanted to be yelled at, which I thought was just, like, the, the dynamic of these three was really, really cute in this episode. Especially because it wasn't overstated. Yeah, and I love that in the next scene when Trapper's just kind of doing the rounds, checking on... Uh, different patients he's like wearing these like aviator sunglasses yeah. <laughs> you know because hangover bright lights but i love wayne rogers in these aviators i think he like looked really good and i like that the nurse also like weirdly hit on him and he's like i don't even know what to do with that right now like i can't even <laughs> process that <laughs> yeah this whole this whole opening was uh was really good i really enjoyed it and then in this scene where trapper is like wearing the aviators and trying to like not be bombarded by light in the hangover we got kind of like the plot of the episode where this kid is um he has a fever and they i don't they take blood from him and they have to send the cultures out to seoul i don't know i forget where exactly but uh, they have tokyo i think tokyo okay they have to send them out uh and it's a 72 hour wait period and meanwhile it's the stakes are, don't feel super high but you kind of get the sense that this kid is sick and he's suffering and potentially could die. And you have to wait 72 hours for an incubator to tell you what's going on with him. So that kind of sets us off with Hawkeye and Trapper being like, we need an incubator for this unit. Why don't we have one already? Yeah, I love how this is a very mundane issue that they have. It's a real issue. It's a it's a literal life and death issue, but it's not a crisis they don't need an incubator otherwise this like king will die or whatever it's mm -hmm. just like some kid is sick and he would be better if they could get uh the cultures faster it's a very simple conflict and very like true to actual doctors and military that it's technically a luxury item that they want by military standards but they need it like it would make everything work so much better in the camp and you you do get that sense and i i really liked this a lot i liked how they set this up yeah i thought it was really good and this next scene with henry <laughs> was really funny with him and his he just got a charcoal grill and i thought that it was uh really well placed so you get the scene and the first words out of henry's mouth in this scene where I gotta hand it to the U.S. Army, they take care of their own. And I thought that that was so good and, like, so on the nose for this next scene where, you know, Henry contacts the officer for the medical supplies and whatnot. And, like you said, the guy says to them, you know, you can't have this, this is a luxury. And it's this 
kind of uh, more subtle juxtaposition of, oh, yeah, the army takes care of its own when they don't actually have to, you know, spend that much money or do really anything. They send Henry a grill, but they can't send these doctors an incubator to help somebody live. They make a pretty explicit point of that when the guy who handles requisition forms comes. Uh, But I I just want to also talk about Henry briefly because I loved his excitement around this grill. How he's like, we're going to cook steaks. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. They're going to be so rare that they're going to scream. And he's just like fully obsessed and fully like into it. The way that he was, you know, obsessed with that desk he had in episode two. Yes. It's a very similar uh, structure wise, but does feel pretty different. Like it feels like they're revisiting this because they're more in the groove of like, we know how to do this now. Come on. That is so funny because I actually kind of forgot about the desk aspect of that season one episode. Oh my God. That is that is so funny. It's just kind of, I like the idea that that is also kind of like building on Henry's character. I'm just like, yeah, he he's the same guy. Like, look at him. <laughs> he gets like really into the little luxuries that he has around here because like, of course he would. It's the, like the one thing that he has that kind of brings him back home a little bit. Maybe maybe that's the intention. Also, I have to mention that when he brings up the party that they had last night, I was really hoping that this episode would turn into like the hangover where we would see, you know, <laughs> the thing that they did last night, but they didn't. And I was just like, oh, I, I wanted MASH to do that. 40 years before that movie came out. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, like I said, I thought that this was going to connect back to the episode somehow, but it really didn't. It was just like, yeah, these these guys just did this thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's great. And you also feel like they're trying to, like, make up for it throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. Maybe because Frank didn't yell at them, they're like, all right, we need to prove ourselves as, like, good guys. Yeah, and it was also a thing I felt of... um, I'll mention it again when we actually get to it. But um, basically, these guys evade massive punishment um, by being good doctors. So I felt like it was that also still that juxtaposition of them having a rager and still doing like the right thing and being moral Mm. and stuff like that. But this scene that we had mentioned with the officer who was like the supply guy was really funny. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I love this very dry man. He was just so... He was not like, having any of non- Henry's shit either. It was so funny. Yeah, Henry Henry was in, like, turbo mode of, like, I'm gonna try to be funny. I'm gonna, like, try to be charming. And this guy just wasn't dealing with any of it. He was just like, yeah, okay, let's move on. Like, I'm purely a cog in the machine kind of guy. And commentary-wise, I did like that they they said that it's like easier to get pizza ovens and like a giant inflatable pool than it is to get something that they actually like need uh you know pretty direct yeah one thing i have to note with that too is they kept kind of going back to the price point of the incubator and right before they called the supply captain to either approve or deny them for the incubator. Henry kept saying, you know, this is like five or $600, which was a lot of money back then, of course. And I don't know if the supply captain had said uh, said the price point, but you could, you could kind of get the sense that 
they weren't going to pay for this incubator, but they they would willingly pay for like a pizza oven and a jukebox because they're vastly less expensive. And at least you assume so. Yeah. But commentary wise, I do feel with like being critical of the military, it felt like the writers were trying to say something along the lines of like, yeah, the doctors say that they need this thing, but the army kind of doesn't care because they're not going to pay to actually save lives. Like, who cares? And I looked it up. The military budget uh, during the Korean War in 1952 was $61.7 billion, which translates to $700 billion today. So really, it would have been a drop in the bucket. (laughs) Hey, now, even at inflation, I'm sure $600, not a lot of money compared to that much money. (laughs) Yeah, no. Like I said, later on in the episode, they also mentioned it again. And it's like, (laughs) adjusted for inflation, $600 is like, Eleven thousand or seven thousand dollars. That's a lot of money, but like, not break your back money if you're part of an <laughs> institution. They live, yeah, they, and they sure. do say, <laughs> they, Hawkeye does says like, "Oh, come on, the war's been going for two years now. The military must have turned a profit." Just very direct commentary, very and very funny too. I like the uh, the joke that in order to get a pizza oven. You just take the same form as you would, like getting a like automatic machine gun <laughs> yes. and just cross that out, put pizza over it. It was really funny how they juxtaposed that kind of uh, military bureaucracy kind of being like, oh, yeah, the, the government's like slow moving and stuff like that, whatever, with the just funny aspect. That's, of course, what MASH does the best. But I did also like how Trapper and Hawkeye basically told the captain that they were going to find an incubator whether he approved it or not so i thought that was kind of like ballsy of them to do right in front of him be like we're gonna find an incubator we don't care yeah they uh you know they're men on a mission they'll they'll do whatever it takes and they're technically still going through different channels like they they mentioned that they're like basically ascending rank at each person that they try to talk to like the first guy that try to go to after this is really weird because they find a base that has three incubators on it but the guy is like no you can't have them i have three if i give you one two is less than three that cannot be done and again (laughs) like this is a very video game weird logic puzzle of like all right how do we get this guy to do what we want him to do and then he just kind of doesn't and I, I like this section. I like this guy, how, like, stubborn he was and greedy. Again, feels very uh commentary that he wasn't even using them. He was just like, we have them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. It did feel very commentary of just... Flexing the wealth. This... <laughs> It was it was uh it was played a lot more for laughs with meeting of this major's commanding officer this or this colonel of the unit that they go to. He was like slimy. I did not like him at all. <laughs> yeah, this is the guy who was uh selling incubators, right? Like in Japan. Something like that, yeah. He reminded me of Charlie in episode 2. Yep. But Charlie had more of like a moral compass to him of like you know, he, he was on the right side and, like, kind of did the right thing in the end for them. But, like, this guy, just, like, trying to fill his own pockets. He's got, like, 
the woman there and like his relationship with the woman's like really weird like she calls him daddy at one point and I was like <laughs> I don't I don't like this man I don't like what yeah. he stands for I don't like how he approaches his own life <laughs> Charlie had at least like Charlie was like charismatic he had charisma he had charm you know what I mean and this mm-hmm. guy I was just irrede- like not redeemable at all to me <laughs> he offers to sell Hawkeye and Trapper the incubator for an up charge price of a thousand dollars and he's like oh but i like you guys so i'll give it to you for 627 which like i said is about seven thousand dollars in today's money so hawkeye and trapper were like we're running a hospital why won't you just help us it was awful it was just so like the commentary of this hypocritical corruption kind of thing was really good and it was also really funny in this scene more more on the comedy side I really liked how this guy also accused uh, Trapper and Hawkeye of being rich. And Hawkeye is just like, rich? Some of my patients pay me in kittens. What are you talking about? (laughs) And I love that line. It was such a bizarre line for him to say, but also like made perfect sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, this whole bit with this guy, he is perfectly slimy of like, come on, my man have a little bit of humanity and they like call him out on it pretty well. Yeah, and that's when he gives them the discounted price for the incubator <laughs> because he's so generous. But this kind of all culminates then into this press conference scene where Hawkeye and Trapper are kind of at their wits end and General Mitchell, who was the general that was kind of presiding over Henry's trial or his hearing before his trial. Oh, really? Um, yeah, this was the same guy. This was the same general. And Hawkeye and Trapper kind of crash his press conference and bombard him with questions of why can't the MASH units have a, ge- a generator? <laughs> why can't the MASH units have an incubator? And then, of course... The press gets really involved and I felt like Hawkeye and Trapper were almost like whistleblowers at this moment because the press was like, what's an incubator? Why can't they have them? General, can you comment on this? And the general was like, this is a press conference. The last thing I want to do is answer a lot of questions, which I thought just perfectly kind of summed up the fact that he was kind of being a politician about the whole thing. It was very funny. That was very uh, Dr. Strangelove. I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, that movie. No. But that, that movie has a very famous line of... Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Um, <laughs> it has... <laughs> yeah, this this whole scene felt very... Uh, especially, you know, 70s era kind of politics satire. And I thought it was still, like, comedic. But I also felt like this kind of thing does happen in real life. Kind of trying to provoke people into change by, like, saying what they don't want you to hear in like a public space, you know? Yeah, this was, um, you know, I don't have a lot of like history for this, but it felt like the 60s was kind of the era of interrupting these press conferences and drawing attention to this kind of like hidden stuff and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it would make sense that the writers would kind of include this little scene in this early 70s episode, which I really, I really appreciate it. It gave me that like revolution vibe. Yeah, you figure this is pretty much the earliest era of like mass media kind of having more posturing control. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, uh, even in the 50s with like Korean War, 
there was TV and stuff like that. That became a factor in how messaging had to play. So of course, the the only way to get change to happen is like to make a big deal about it, like in the news coverage, you know. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, the 60s was kind of ushering in that era. So even though MASH was set in the 50s, it was kind of like, it was kind of right on the precipice almost. Yeah. Um, Also, I just want to mention real quick that I I really liked uh, this general's performance. This actor, I thought, played this exasperation very well and like handled it in a very funny way without being, you know outwardly comedic like that line about him not wanting to answer questions at a press conference mm-hmm. i thought was delivered very well i just want to give a shout out to this guy because uh, I, I think he did a, a pretty good job with what he was given to do yeah definitely so one thing on the general as well to give it a little bit of context hawkeye and trapper are returned to henry for punishment basically and they caused apparently a huge ruckus at this press conference that we as the audience were not privy to but we did hear about later with like Hawkeye shouting give me an incubator or give me death (laughs) or like them sticking their thumbs on their noses instead of saluting and like all this crazy stuff right so I said that they were really lucky to be returned to Henry to face punishment quote-unquote because this was the general who was presiding over Henry's hearing and uh yeah like he was obviously going to take it seriously if he got to punish them so i was like you guys lucked out big time they're very lucky that they they've been given this guy who just doesn't want to participate in the military lifestyle um yeah i i really like that henry is like yeah you guys are in big trouble but uh how should i punish you just like (laughs) he's so just not equipped to be an actual commanding officer. And it's not, it doesn't feel like he's dumb. He just isn't meant to do this job. Yeah. It's like, I, I think it's really fun. It was really funny because Hawkeye and Trapper were like, oh, just spend more time with us as if they were like kids acting out because their yeah. dad was ignoring them. <laughs> I thought that that was really, really just Which they kinda, so funny. They kind of were. If you go back to the beginning of the episode, like the reason why they're trying to be so cool again is that like Frank didn't yell at them. They're trying to prove themselves <laughs> to be responsible. I guess in this metaphor, Frank is their dad, but you know, close <laughs> enough. They're just looking for the paternal attention. We need Sidney Friedman here. But anyway, that's for next episode. <laughs> oh, can't wait um, to get to him. I've been seeing a lot of uh a lot of memes around Sidney Freeman. Oh, he's like, the best. I don't know who this man is, but he... I'll get to him. I'll get to him soon. He's the best. You'll like him. He's coming in the next episode. Spoiler alert. But one yes. last thing on this scene uh, before we get to the all-out cool conclusion. Henry has one of the best lines that I think kind of sums up Hawkeye and Trapper's like shenanigans and how they get away with it. He says, if you guys didn't outclass every bit of surgical talent in Korea, your tails would have been in handcuffs a long time ago. And to me, that was just so kind of put as such a good bow on it because mm-hmm. I'm sure that anybody watching this show would be like, there would be no way that they could get away with that. And this was the writers just being like, well, they're really talented. So here we go. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like we said in earlier episodes, you know, there is a vibe that, like, if you're talented, you could do whatever you want. But I like how they 
consistently, whenever they're called out for stuff, it's usually them trying to do the right thing. It's not them, like, abusing their their station. It's them trying to get an incubator for the camp and stuff like this of, like, no, this is an actual, like, good thing for them to do. They're not trying to, like, get away with the party that they threw last night, you know? Uh... (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So that leads us into kind of the ending of the episode where uh, Hawkeye and Trapper kind of storm out of Henry's office defeated. But turns out our our boy Radar never doubt Radar. He got it. He got an incubator because this little man is a true champion, (laughs) a hero among heroes. (laughs) Yes, never, ever doubt Radar. Hawkeye and Trapper are, of course, elated. And then in the final scene, right before the credits, (laughs) Radar kind of reveals that he traded the grill that Henry was so happy about to get this incubator. And Radar says to them, Henry is going to be expecting steaks tonight, and I'm not telling him that his grill is gone. So can this thing be set to medium rare? Like, I need to make steaks. (laughs) And again, very similar structure-wise to the second episode where they, they ship off his desk. But it was all Radar doing this in the background, being wheeling and dealing, making these trades, being underhanded, being sneaky. Uh, but, you know, always doing the right thing. Uh, I really like this conclusion. I like how cool it made Radar. I love how <laughs> I love how they're like, we went to a general and we should have gone to a corporal. And Radar's just like, yeah, you should have. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you should have started at the top. <laughs> and I liked, like you said, that this was so similar to the second episode of season one, because it kind of gives credence to this idea that the writers kind of retook this season two opportunity to give the show like the pilot and the the season that it really deserved with the bigger audience saying more of what they I think wanted to be saying with the show. And all around, all around, great episode. Loved this. Great loved episode. the comedy, loved the commentary. We just got so such good mashisms out of this. Yes, this is a this is a primo mash episode. This is pretty much everything I want from a mash episode. It had the commentary, and I thought the commentary was very well handled. It had the funny. This episode was funny, man. I know this kind of jumping the gun, and we have to do trivia, but I might have to say this is a solid five out of five for me. Like I don't have uh, really anything that I would improve on in this one. I think I'm gonna go a little bit lower. And give this a 4.5 martinis mm. out of 5. Just because I I like when all of the cast is utilized. Like, Loretta Switz not That's in this true. episode. Frank is very barely in this episode. Which, like, to be fair, I did like the Frank scene that we did get. But I do think that it's more fun. Like, the best episodes are when the entire cast is utilized. So 4.5 mm. for me, just because I would have liked to see some more people yeah i might have to agree with you on that i i do forget that this is an ensemble show sometimes Mm -hmm. i i really like when it does just focus on trapper and hawkeye kind of trying to do something i think they are a really great duo and i i like seeing them on this little mission that they had i might stick with my five out of five but i i do that's fair 
hard agree with uh, what you're saying about it not utilizing everyone to its full potential. But with that said, uh, do you have any trivia for us? So I do. I know that you had mentioned uh, General Mitchell. We actually covered his acting career in uh, The Trial of Henry Blake. So if you're interested in him, go listen to that episode. (laughs) Um, But I do have trivia on some of the guest stars in this episode, though. So Ted Gehring played Major Morris, who was that first guy that they went to go see. He's best known for his role as Charlie in the sitcom Alice, which is a spinoff of The Brady Bunch, which we love a spinoff at VOB here. Um, Me too. Turner Classic Movies' profile on him says that he is mostly played bad guys and villains which is like a huge LOL for me because he was a villain in this episode. And his other guest appearances include Gunsmoke, Bonanza, Little House on the Prairie, which we love, uh, The Rockford Files, and Days of Our Lives, among a lot of other guest appearances on TV shows. Just making his rounds through all the classics, I see. Yes. So then Logan Ramsey was the slimeball colonel that I didn't like. He studied under Lee Strasberg, who I have noticed that a lot of the guest stars and um, actors in this era did study under him. So that's really cool. I'm going to make note of any time a guest star has studied with this Lee Strasberg person. Yeah, not to completely derail. I'm just going to say this real quick. But Lee Strasberg is very famous. He's like one of the most famous acting coaches ever. He is a very famous method of acting. Especially in the 70s era, you're going to see him a lot. That's really <laughs> Get ready cool. for that. Yeah, no, I, before I did research for this show and like the guest stars on the show, I had no clue who he was. So I guess me saying this Lee Strasberg person is kind of disrespectful, so I don't mean it that way. But I really just <laughs> did not know uh, that he was so influential to a lot of actors from this era. That's really, really cool. Yeah, he's uh, he's cast a long shadow. He's still very much... Um, People are very much indebted to Lee Strasberg to this very day. That's really cool. So going back to Logan Ramsey, he made guest appearances on a lot of shows as well, like Star Trek, Hawaii Five-0, Maud, Mork and Mindy, and Night Court, which I love Night Court. Ooh. Just, just a Oh, you it. would like... Of course I would like you Night would Court, love right? Night Court. <laughs> um, he also had guest roles in several movies, many of which I'm really not familiar with, but the funniest title in the list of movies was Cornbread Earl and Me from 1975. <laughs> so I kind of want to watch it now <laughs> just because Corn of the title bread? and this guy's in it. Yeah, isn't that strange? <laughs> I'm I'm invested in finding it now. Um, I'm going to slowly make a list of all the things we're going to say <laughs> or going to watch uh, on this podcast. Yes. And maybe that will be a big bonus episode where you and me just go through all the weird movies that we're like, we should watch that. Yeah, that'll be our Patreon bonus content. Uh, (laughs) So actually, one last thing about this guy. He was in uh, Scrooge, which I am familiar with. Um, And what's funny about that movie is that he played the husband to his real life wife, Anne Ramsey, in that movie. So that's pretty cool. Good for him. We love to see a power couple. So Ethan, to round out this episode, why don't you tell me what your favorite line was? Okay, not to be so hung up on radars being a virgin but they mention that during their bender the night before that they tried to do a virgin sacrifice and hawkeye asks radar like oh did did we sacrifice you and radar just goes no i was too tired that (laughs) 
killed me. I love that line so much. It was so weird. I I love anything with a radar in these last few episodes. I think he's really killing it comedically. Yeah. He uh there was a lot of bits in the swamp in the first scene that were really very good. There was a lot of witty comedy in this episode. So my favorite line <laughs> was when they had the um supply captain there and Henry was talking to him and like I said he was not taking any of Henry's like jokes anything like that and Henry was complimenting him for something and we hold our end up and Henry goes you do that around here you get your temperature taken and I just it was just it's too like, funny <laughs> and the guy just dead he, he was so he did not give Henry an inch nothing it was just so funny nothing it's like Henry cannot read the room in this episode, and it's great. I love that. Henry bit can't read the room ever. He's it. just too. He's too much. I love Henry again. He, the incompetence of is, Henry Blake. Amazing. Love him. <laughs> this is peak dad Henry. He really <laughs> felt like just the dad of the group, and he's trying to like be cool, but he just can't. I mean, he wants to grill in this episode. That's like. The Peak most dad, dad thing yeah, that a that is dad such can a dad do. Thing. <laughs> Henry Blake is all of our dads. Yeah, primo dad. <laughs> so just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your bulko for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for our discussion of Season 2, Episode 13, Deal Me Out. But until then, trade your grill to get a germ machine. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone.